0: You're listening to Running Around Charlotte, presented by the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon, the Queen City's premier road race experience. One day, five events, with a race day distance for every goal and pace. Find out more or register at RunCharlotte.com. Now, here are your hosts for Running Around Charlotte Tim Rhodes and Jeffrey Cooper. We don't
1: have to explain a runner's relationship with food. We all have one. Mark Justina's relationship with food goes several steps further, though, as an award-winning chef of some of the Charlotte area's top restaurants. It can be a stressful business, but he's overcome that and other obstacles in life by, of course, running. We're excited to welcome Mark to today's Running Around Charlotte podcast. Hi, Mark. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thank
0: you guys for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Yes, sir. And DC is uh, along for the ride this morning. How you doing, DC, with Casey?
0: Oh man, I'm still thinking about those uh, pre-show donuts we were talking about <laughs> before we got this
1: <laughs> thing going here. It's like Where great. It all comes back everybody, to the food, everybody likes right? a donut. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mark, what have you been up to these days?
2: Um, I, I guess surviving a pandemic like most of us. Um, mm-hmm. I. Uh, <clears throat> I've been uh well i'm down at uh, southminster retirement community so um unlike a lot of people in my industry um I w- I've, I've survived this rather well um which has put a lot of stuff into perspective um i mean the last couple of years of my life has been about putting stuff into perspective and this year was obviously no different um while a lot of my uh a lot of my uh, peers were on unemployment or you know fearing for their businesses um that was pretty much being taken care of at work, getting tested on a regular basis, um, and laying low. So um, that, and luckily for uh, um, the reignited passion for running um, and some antisocial tendencies of myself, uh, managed to survive my downtime uh, as well as one could, I'm, I'm, which, I'm, <laughs> which I'm grateful for. To put, <laughs> it's a lot of ways <laughs> to say I'm pretty <laughs> grateful to
0: be in a situation that I'm in.
1: Yeah.
0: So, no i'm seeing a am seeing a version two of the loneliness of the long distance runner and kind of morphing into the hungriness of the long distance runner as well perhaps that's uh ne- the next version
2: yeah that sounds about right <laughs> it definitely does
1: so um, you you mentioned being down at uh uh what was South it Min- southminster
2: yeah southminster
1: yep so- tell
2: us about that so it's a um it's a high-end retirement community um we have a um an on-site farm well an on-site garden that was uh instituted by uh one of the former executive chef and some of the cooks that are there uh chris reed who's also the head of uh, pcg which is a piedmont culinary guild and they are um it's charlotte's community of uh chefs and farmers distillers brewers people like that um and uh so I've been, I've been friends with Christine and I was familiar with Chris and I was familiar with, uh, um, with South Minster and what they were doing before I moved from what we'd call street side as a marquee chef or whatever, running restaurants <laughs> into this situation. Um, so it's, uh, it's almost like a retirement job for a chef as far as the way the hours go. The stress level is a little bit different as well. Um, it's, and for me, it's a lot more logistics. So I'm working just as much with my mind as I am with my back and hands.
0: Well, ex- I got you. Got to explain that one because I have plenty of family and friends in the restaurant business, so I know for I know well, say like a secondhand of the the stresses that that can bring on somebody's life. So tell me a little bit about uh, about what you're yeah, talking sure. about.
2: Yeah, sure. W- well, you know, I mean, working in the restaurant industry, I guess, is a lot like running long distance. Um, having been a distance runner um, during my high school years, I think ultimately I kind of predetermined what what I would like to do for a living, regardless of what I went to school for. Um, <laughs> And, uh, cooking, cooking was it. It made sense to me, man. It's, uh, you know, just like, just like preparing for an ultra. It's about time on your feet. Cooking is about time on your feet. Um, so, you know, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. We do 14, you know, 14 hour a day is sort of an average work day. Six days a week is sort of an average work week for, for a chef. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's high stress. We don't have inboxes to put, um, work off till tomorrow. Um, if somebody calls out sick, that doesn't just sit until they come back. Somebody else has to do that work. So if it's a six-person team and two people are out sick, it's a four-person team doing six people's worth of work. Is probably the yeah. easiest, probably the easiest way to explain the math and this odd, yeah. uh, this this time con- this this time um, relationship that chefs have with time that I think yeah. runners immediately understand as well, um, mm-hmm. because there's sort of a there's the desired pace, there's the reality pace, right? Um, and yeah. then somewhere in between. And then somewhere in between is like today's pace. And, and it never right. makes and and they never really they don't always coincide. Oh
0: man. But it's like race day every day when you're in the kitchen, though, right?
2: Yeah, you know, that's that's pretty much I think that's definitely a good way to say it. We don't really I mean we have, you know, like our prep might feel a little bit like uh like training work, but even there, you know, we're still under the we're still under the gun. Like dinner yeah. starts at five o'clock, whether we want it to or not. <laughs>
1: It's the truth. So, um, so I've got a note here that it says uh, um, "Order Fire." What is "Order Fire" about?
2: Ooh. Yeah, so "Order Fire" was a uh, um, or is it's on hiatus right now because of the pandemic. Um, but we are a, uh, a documentary series, so um, it's a like a web podcast, if you will. So um, it's online at um, orderfire.tv, and um, it basically it started off as. Um, me, when I moved from, when I got out of doing fine dining into, I started working at Earl's grocery. So I was sort of toning down what was important to me as far as cooking, trying to find some balance in my life and make sense of things post, uh, um, like ego drop, ego job, as you will. And, um, the creative side of me w- was looking for something to do. And I, have I've always been a writer. And so I was contemplating maybe doing an article or something. Um, and Peter Taylor, my partner on order fire is a uh, is an award-winning photographer and videographer and um, had been i've met him through some food projects and i was telling about this idea that i was working on about getting together with another chef and maybe going someplace and using whatever they're like let's say if it was prices for instance because everybody knows prices in this area and it was fried chicken um, we could talk about it and that would sort of be the thing that would spur on the conversation what i wanted to capture was that time when chefs aren't at work and the things that we talk about at the bar. I mean, cause that was my, that was my social life was, you know, getting out of work and commiserating with other chefs and, and, and binge drinking, if you will. Um, and ordered fire was born from the, the, the stuff that usually doesn't make interviews for chefs. If you guys have ever read any of the um, like any of the local magazines yeah. and they talk to a chef. And it's no disrespect. I mean, magazines have X amount of space that they've got for public for publishing and they need to get to what they need to get to. But there's always a lot of great stuff that gets left out. The human element, the human ingredient as yeah. we called it. So that's what this thing that's this thing started off as an idea of we would just sort of talk to some of my chef friends and we would just have this banter and we started to discover that it went further than the industry and it was kind of, I always say it's like ice road truckers, but with food, people don't, because people don't watch ice road truckers because they identify with driving a truck on ice, right? They identify with it because it's a human, it's a human story. And and so um, once we realized that, we recognized that our audience was going to be more like the people that show up, you know, to, um, to eat. Um, and most chefs, myself anyways, um, you know, some of my better known restaurants or projects were always um, as much about the story that I was trying to tell than as it was about the food. The food was the the food, the food was a medium, but the story was always what I was trying to get across. And most chefs have some story that they're trying to tell with food. So once we turned that into the podcast or to the webcast order fire, Mm -hmm. and we ended up doing five seasons of it, um, hosting parties at Free Range Brewery, um, and just sort of, and a lot like trail running, specifically trail running, because yeah. of the community yeah. with trail runners are, are definitely different than roadies. Um, having yeah, been a totally. road runner, as a as a as a young as a young guy, road runners were always a different. That's what I knew as runners, and when I came across um, trail running, quite quite by accident, having run cross country, um, it was odd because I'm like, this is a lot like this is a lot like the the food community, a lot like the skateboard community. Um, you know, it's it's competitive, but in a different way
0: right now you mentioned something as well about the social aspect of it uh Mm -hmm. of the restaurant trade and you know the association with after and sometimes during you know with booze Mm -hmm. and you know there's you've got a story in that as well right
2: yeah i mean you know it's 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 one i think you know it's it's interesting because the running community obviously has a has a Has a strong penchant for wanting to have a beer after a long run as well. Um, And I I just want to make sure that, you know, this is sometimes this, this is one of those things that whenever I discuss my sobriety, people almost automatically assume that like anybody who is sober is doing this judgment thing on people that drink. Um, And realistically, most of us that are in recovery, aren't really considering your relationship. It's our relationship with alcohol or whatever the substance may be is unhealthy. And that unhealthy looks different to every individual, you know, um, so I just, it was one of those things, I mean, my industry, you know, like I said, I was talking, i mentioned earlier, this relationship with time that we have. Um, and when we get out of work, it's usually, you know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock, and there's not a lot to do between 10 and two, three o'clock in the morning, other than go out and drink, you, you know, you can't like going out to get something to eat, especially in Charlotte, but even in like places like New York city and stuff like that, it starts to dwindle. And honestly, when you're around food all day, you don't want food. You know, um, so you, you inadvertently, um, or at least I did, um, found myself, you know, I'd go out for a beer and that's, you know, that's always kind of, we'll go out for a beer. It's never one. Um, and you know, I just Mm -hmm. found that my relationship with it started to overpower a lot of my other, the other parts of my life. Um, you know, my relationship with my wife and my children were, um, was mediocre at best. And, you know, I think I'm definitely whitewashing that one by saying mediocre at best. Um, they didn't get, I mean, the industry was already taking a lot from taking me away from them a lot. And then, you know, alcohol was doing the same thing. Um, in my intensity level, I noticed, um, you know, would, would go down as soon as I have a beer, I feel more relaxed. Um, and you know, that would, that would Uh translate, that would translate at work and that would translate outside of work. Um, and you know, just, I, I I went from Uh being a, being a, uh, kind of on top of it guy to just, you know. Not, not really mentally sharp. I didn't think um, to 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 be to be um, fair about it. I guess uh, my relationship with alcohol was just it was tied up into my identity all the way around. All the way around. Um, you know, my behavior was celebrated by my by by my industry. You know, I'm I'm exactly what they want to see—a straight white guy with tattoos getting drunk and you know, raising hell. Um, cause you know, and it's like, I was dumb enough to fall for it because I'm like, Hey, you know, people like me. I mean, you know, like, like most people, the chefs particularly, I think are driven by, um, a desire to be, uh, uh, liked, you know, I mean, we're, we're under, we're, everything we do is criticized. I mean, whatever, whatever most people's industries are, they don't, yeah. they don't, they don't have Yelp. You know what I mean? Like we are taking the Like we're taking a task for everything. And then like we turn around and like, if we, if we try to do something and we're like, could you imagine if this, that, or the other thing happened? It it, it, like what, what other industries are, is acceptable and, and, you know, understandable as human error that isn't given to, to restaurants. And I'm not saying it should be, I'm not saying it's unfair. It's just the reality of the industry.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. No question about that. You're right. I mean, and, and over and over and over and over 14 hours a day in, yeah. in most cases. Um, tell us about how running played a role in your, I guess, uh, internal and external restoration and all of that.
2: Well, you know, it, it, it kind of running, running. So I, I found out that I've become probably one of the biggest cliches in the, in, 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 running in running and, in, particularly right but also in sobriety because it's almost inadvertently what happens um authors yeah. like uh, mishka Shivali, um yeah. uh with rich roll finding yeah. ultra right um yeah. but for me like finding those stories was was almost uh tantamount to to sort of keeping my recovery going um i didn't yeah. i didn't get into recovery i didn't get into running and then find recovery it's like I, if people can find my story, and I mean, I've been very, very open about it on, on my social media, because I feel that by, by being vulnerable about it and sharing honestly the same way that I did about raising hell um, would help lessen the stigma of going into recovery, because we always think that alcoholics look like what we see on TV these dingy rooms, um, sad, balding men. Okay. I, I might be that. Sorry, DC. DC. I didn't mean to call <laughs> you out. <laughs> you, you meant, you meant good looking balding guys. Hold on, man. Right, yeah, that's why, that's why I was figured. I'd keep you out of it. I didn't say good looking. <laughs> um, but in, um, but in any event, I mean, I, I basically I took the weekend off so I could do some painting around the house mm-hmm. before Thanksgiving because there was stuff that I needed to get finished. Yeah. And I was talking about intensity and like if I have a beer, mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. So uh, I've written about this extensively and, you know, shared my story about going mm-hmm. like my recovery was just taking a weekend off of from drinking and sort of just keep going. And I think most runners I I'd, will identify with what I'm about to say. And it's just like like running, like running long distances Every day was like adding one more mile to it. And when you feel good about it, like you're like, oh, just one more mile, one more mile, you know, like yeah. I, it's self-competitive to a certain degree, but it, it was enough to keep me going. So as I as I was going through my recovery, um, I started journaling and I kept writing down this this idea of wanting to do something epic. I mean, I've been fairly lucky. Um and, and fortunate in my life to have done some pretty cool things, um, and, you know, be recognized whether it was skateboarding or poetry or cooking, um, for either having some talent or something that people identified or recognized with and gave me platform for. And, um, and as I was working through my, 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 my relationship now with being sober and, um, going through the steps of salvage or recovery, I kept writing, do something epic. So this year was supposed to look like, is I was like, all right, well, I'm not a strong swimmer. Um, and I've always wanted to learn how to roll a kayak in whitewater. And I used to rock climb. So I was like, I'm going to join the whitewater rafting center. And I'm going to spend a lot of time there. So I went and got a uh, parking pass um, and held off one week because the COVID thing was happening. And I'm like, well, I don't want to buy this 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 uh, membership until I know, like, I've got enough time. Because I'm not going to lose a month out of my year if I can't go use this thing. <laughs> so while I was... so while I was late waiting for it, I just, you know, it's like my wife had kind of gotten me back into running Mm -hmm. a little bit. We did the, um, uh, 5k at the airport, which was kind of cool because like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of airplanes, but there's definitely something cool about running in an area where you don't have access to. Um, but my time was, my time was okay. But by my standards, like from when I was younger, it was not great. It was like 32 32 or something like that. Um, but I felt like shit. I mean, it was a lot of work to run, to run three miles. And I've run way more than three miles when I was younger, you know? Um, And it just kind of kept chipping away at me. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to start running and to run around my block is three quarters of a mile. And like, I go back and look at my, uh, my watch from the beginning of the year and it was like a struggle to make three quarters of a mile. And then like, I'd go out on three mile runs, but there'd be a lot of walking and you know, you're not supposed to walk when you're running unless you're a trail runner, as it turns out. Um, <laughs> so I was like, so in any event, the, the running thing just kind of kept going. And I realized that as I was running, I started to have, uh, a, I had a better connection with myself and, and my sobriety than I had before. And honestly, I started to not think about my recovery and started, you know what I mean? Like it didn't, yeah. when I had my three year anniversary this year, I missed it by a week. It was a week later when I went, oh shit, it's been three years and a week now. So, you know, like, I don't think that to me is, is, is a, is a healthier sign of, of or that is a sign of a healthy relationship with alcohol because I'm not thinking about it. I wasn't thinking a lot about it the last three years, but I've now got something that's occupying my time. And I think an even better way Um, and getting to the Epic thing, of course, I wanted to get back and touch base when I was 14, the idea of running a marathon was sort of the, the epitome of human running ability, right? Like, <laughs> 26.3 miles or whatever like that's it like 27 miles like human can't do and i'm like 14 so 1984 i'm 14 and runner's world puts a thing out later that year and they mentioned leadville 100 mm-hmm. and my, my my mind goes like it explodes i'm like 100 miles like what does that even look like you can't even do that and it's just always percolated in the back of my head and as like these running things, Rich Roll being in recovery, this book Mm -hmm. was suggested on audible. And I was like all signs, like my sobriety, like I became sober because things kept telling me you should look at it and running was showing up. whether it was my wife saying, Hey, we should do this 5k or here's Rich Roll's book. And I'm like, I should probably like, I should listen to what the universe has to say. Um, So by doing that, I mean, I found a whole other community of people that are um, weird. a lot not a lot but a, a, there's a portion of them that are in like some form of recovery or sobriety mm-hmm. um and we all enjoy the same things and nobody there's no question about like at the end of a run that i'm not drinking you know that that doesn't come yeah. into play because that's just part of the experience not the experience right. the shared experience obviously is you know you didn't poop your pants
0: <laughs> well you know <laughs> goals <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: There's something to be said for that last part.
0: <laughs> no
1: question about it. Hey, we've all been there, you know. <laughs> no, I have not <laughs> been there.
0: I have not moved my
1: pants. <laughs> I have, full disclosure. Stop, stop I have and roll not. takes on a whole new meaning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well, there goes this show. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <I'm- laughs> things i do best (laughs) (laughs) that's right exactly there goes this oh my gosh man it's something else now uh, uh, as a guy i mean i grew up in an italian house where everybody cooks Mm -hmm. and like i said plenty of family and friends over the years and currently you know who are in the in the food trade Uh in one way and so you know the the relationship with food and you know what it does both you know positively and negatively uh Mm -hmm. to uh to bring people together for good or for bad. Right. It's such such a thing. And, uh, uh, tell me about, uh, about you said earlier, uh, you know, I knew food was a thing I was going to do despite Mm -hmm. what I uh, was going to school for. How did you say, you know what, that's going to be my thing
2: so um like a lot of us you know i grew up in i grew up in a food family um there's a cliche in the chef's world where you know it's like my grandmother like everybody every chef is like you know i grew up on my grandma's apron apron strings and i reference this a lot on order fire where i'm like you're not trying to give me this story i hope um we all have fond memories of our grandmothers or our mothers or somebody like that and it's beautiful you know but i think i think the reason that trope works is because it's universal or at least american universal um For me i was in like i had worked in the restaurant industry uh prior to going to college and stuff i had a Mm. skateboard business um and like that was kind of my gig that's what pulled me away from running to be honest with you was skateboarding because you know i was pretty good at it in high school and my father would make me do it so i and it took away the fun it really did it took away the joy so Mm. skateboarding was a lot of fun and i could use that to get to jobs and because i had worked with my uncle in restaurants an easy job for me to find was is was a dishwasher something that I could show up looking, yeah. you know, it was like with, with a Mohawk and it didn't <laughs> matter because I didn't, the public didn't see me. Yeah. So they stick me in the no. dish pit. And, um, uh, uh, this one place that I worked at called Grimaldi's a huge Italian restaurant in New York. And when I say huge, I mean three floors, thousands of people a day are fed. I mean, it wow. is it was a machine. And the chef there at Pasquale, um, he, uh, he was kind of short one day and like needed some help. And I just like jumped from working dish over to, doing vegetables. And there was, it was obvious to him that I had been around at least a, a knife before. Um, so I, you know, I, I I did some prep work for him. And then a couple of years later, I ended up taking a secondary job. I was in college and working at a toy store and uh, uh, turning wrenches at a, at a, at a mountain bike shop so I could get discount. And uh, my sister was working at this place part-time as a bartender and said, Hey, you know, they're looking for, they're looking for a little part-time help Friday and Saturday nights. So I was like, well, shit, I'll come and work, you know, four or five hours a weekend, make a little extra money. And then I could go hang out with my friends afterwards and, you know, go get drunk. And uh, so I worked, I I worked a weekend in the industry. And honestly, by about the second week, they were asking me if I could pick up a couple extra hours. Um, And it started to dawn on me. I was studying philosophy, (laughs) by the way. And uh, philosophy is encamped and all these different things. And people have read. It, there's ridiculous arguments if you've seen the internet recently it's a lot like that um it's a, it was a lot like that it, it, quite honestly dc the the, the, tru- the truest answer to mm-hmm. the question that you gave me was the reason i got into the restaurant industry was because good steak or bad steak nobody could tell me it wasn't a steak and that was and, and, and honestly that was really important to me like i needed to have some meaning in whatever it was that i was doing and that was it And I really loved the fact that it was like being a rock star. And I, do you hear my voice? I can't sing. (laughs) So it wasn't like that was off the table. It it wasn't going to happen for me anyways, but cooking turned out. I was, I, I really enjoyed everything about the industry. The chaos made sense. Um, the language made sense. The toxic, uh, the, the, the toxic culture was something that I was like, i like, I don't know. I understood it. Um, probably perpetuated it for a while as well. Um, I try not to nowadays. Um, but you know, it, it, it was for the time and place that it was, it was a lot of fun and I, and really enjoyed it. But more than anything else, I really loved being able to communicate with people in a way that they could understand, you know, a lot of things that I'm talking about or say here, or say on order, say on order fire or whatever may not always resonate or hit home, but when somebody sits down to eat a well-crafted cooked, plated food, no matter what it is, no matter what the ingredients are, you can't argue with that.
0: Yeah. Hey, Tim, that sounds like a lot of the reasons you got into retail, don't they? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) A a, a well-plated running shoe.
0: A well-plated pair of socks. (laughs) Can't go wrong. There you
1: go. (laughs) i'll have have a a, a nice running shoe for the main course uh, with a side of running socks and uh something to drink you know so mark (laughs) thanks so much time today yeah yeah absolutely yeah
0: yeah seriously all kidding aside though i mean it is it is a people thing and you know and you know it's a relationships thing and i mean i was only half joking when i said you know because Tim used to be in the banking biz and mm-hmm. you know and not in a in a you know direct to people kind of way and i think you know that engagement that that runners have with each other in that community and you know regardless of what direction they come to you know, it is a a way to find a tribe. And that's one of the cool things about, you know, like you said, whether you came from, uh, you know, the the skateboarding, trail running, you know, dirt baggy side, or you came from the, you know, squeaky clean, you know, you know, track to 5k to marathon side, or however you just fell into it because of the pandemic, and it was nothing else to do because your gym was closed. You know, we all kind of, you know, we can all kind of do it, uh, uh, regardless of the space or place or pace even. And that's what's really cool about it, man.
2: Well, I agree. I mean, that's I mean, that's really to me is really the best part about it is and I think you know, running's a great metaphor for when we especially in yeah. the situation we are as an American culture. The thing I love about running is is yeah. that once you pull all the politics and everything aside, people are operating at their own space at their own pace. And honestly, who gets mad when you see somebody running faster or slower than you, honestly? you might go i wish i was running as fast as that individual but you you you're not going to get mad because they're doing it generally mm-hmm. you, you feel inspired to by it right and that to yeah. me i think is what i like about it the most cuz all the other stuff is ancillary and you just see somebody yeah. enjoy, like out there enjoying or suffering just like you
0: Roger that <laughs> <laughs> Oh man Well Tim put a bow on it for us your boss
1: Yeah Thank you so much, Mark. It was a pleasure to uh, speak with you today, and I, I really enjoyed your story and uh, wish you the best uh, in, the, in the industry and with your running and uh, and your recovery as well. And, um, you know, just listening to your story, it's an inspiration to 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 me and I, and I hope to some of our listeners as well.
2: Well, I appreciate your time and having me on here, and I look forward to seeing you guys at some point at some event.
1: All right, Mark. Ain't that the truth. Mark Dixina, folks, uh, thank you very much for listening today, and uh, we will talk to you next time.
0: The Running Around Charlotte podcast is presented by the Novant Health Charlotte Marathon. One day, five events, with a race day distance for every goal and pace. Registration for the November 16th Novant Health Charlotte Marathon, half marathon, relay, 5K, and one mile events is available now at runcharlotte.com running around charlotte with your host tim rhodes and jeffrey cooper is produced in partnership with well-run media and marketing
1: listen for new episodes of running around charlotte released every week